Well, again, happy Mother's Day to every one of you. You're welcome, and especially to the ladies that are here. For those of you who get our weekly update, every Friday there's an email that goes out that lets you know what's happening here at City Church. It's kind of an e-newsletter. It's very brief, simple to read with bullet points that'll keep you up to speed on what's happening here at City Church if you're not on the email list. I really do encourage you to kind of sign up through that slip on the right of your news feed. Just put name, check, and uh, uh, just put there your, your email and just say, please sign me up. Just write that in and we'll do that. But for those of you that read our weekly bulletin, you'll know that Cindy Zello was supposed to be here this morning to bring the message. Now, you might think, who is Cindy Zello? Well, if you would remember a few weeks ago, we had a special service where Mike and Cindy Zella were here. They oversee Teen Challenge of Central Virginia. It's a drug rehab ministry. It's a Christ-centered faith ministry. Cindy Zello was actually going to be here to preach the Mother's Day message, but yesterday afternoon, uh, Mike, her husband, he's been one of my friends for about 34, 35 years. He called me up and said, all of a sudden, Cindy's neck swole up. She had pounding headaches, uh, blurred vision. She felt nauseous. They really weren't sure what was happening. They raced her to a dock, and the dock put her on a bunch of muscle relaxers. And so at this moment, she is sound asleep. And so I found out yesterday afternoon that I would be bringing the Mother's Day message and I told Cindy, I texted her this morning, and I know she's still asleep, but I said, Cindy, just put it on the calendar for next year. At least the message will be done. So she'll be here next year on Mother's Day. But as I realized yesterday afternoon that I would be talking to the ladies, all the ladies that are here in this auditorium, God, just through prayer, began to give me some thoughts that I would like to share these thoughts are going to be based around an Old Testament lady, and so in just a moment, you're going to need your Bibles. You can open your smartphone and get ready. We'll be in Genesis in just a few moments. But what I wanted to say at the outset is this. Every one of us have a mother. You're saying, wow, that's a heavy revelation. But all of us have a mother. And as I kind of began there in this teaching, it, it dawned on me that there are none of us that can do life alone. You can't. There was a mother that brought you into this world. The biblical record records for us that the first woman, the first mother, the first woman and mother, her name was Eve. And her name means to breathe or to live. That's what Eve means in Hebrew, to breathe or to live. And it's interesting to note that it's through Eve in the biblical record that God brought to us, each and every one of us who are uniquely created in the image of God. And so as we step into this Mother's Day teaching Remember, all of us have a mother. You cannot do life alone. That the original mother, Eve, brings life to breathe. That's what her name means. Now, I recognize this is Mother's Day. Aware of that. And if you read pastoral theology and current pastoral trends, I will readily admit 
that there are a lot of pastors who avoid Mother's Day. But instead of avoiding it, I want to kind of deal with head-on the sensitivities as to why some churches don't really want to deal with Mother's Day. But instead of kind of avoiding those sensitivities, I would like to deal with them head-on. Here's why. Mother's Day is not a good day for everyone. It isn't. Here's why. For some of us, when you hear the word mother, you think about your mother, and it's not a positive thing. Your mother messed up. Your mother was not what you wish your mother would have been or should have been. I know some of you that are sitting here, I literally know your stories, we are friends, and I know that your mother was not a great example is a matter of fact that even up in years, you're still struggling with what she did or did not do. But what I want to say to you is if your mother, and if the word mother does not bring about positive sensibilities in you, here's what I would like to say. That in Jesus Christ, no matter how badly your mother or your father messed up, In Jesus Christ, you have an opportunity to be healed. You do. There are no perfect parents. Never have been, never will be. No parent has ever gotten it 100% right. But here's what I can tell you. Is that no matter how poorly your parents were or your mother was, or maybe still is, Through Jesus, we have the power to forgive. There is a power to find forgiveness if this fits you. This past week, I heard a guy who's sort of becoming a newer friend of mine. I met him a couple years ago. He spoke at a meeting that I was at. And in that meeting, he talked about briefly his upbringing. And in talking about his upbringing... He shared how his mother died. It was a catastrophic, self-inflicted death. He talked about how his father had raised him and what his dad did to him ever since he was a little boy. And this man is now in his 60s. And what shocked me and what was the greatest testimony of the overarching testimony of his faith story was with the subtleness of heart that he could talk about his parents. You could tell that he had forgiven them, and through Christ, he had found healing in wholeness. That was the most powerful part of the message. He didn't even know it. So the first sensitivity is, is that when you mention mother, that word doesn't always bring up great feelings in people. The next sensitivity is that maybe you are a parent, you are a mother, and you have messed up. As a parent, you wish you could rewind some episodes from your parenthood. I have a question. How many of us parents sitting here have regrets about your parenting? I want you to raise your hand with me. How many of you do? 
Every parent here has raised a hand. Listen, there, is, there are no perfect parents. But here's what I would say to those of us as parents, and I'll raise both hands. There are episodes that I wish I could rewind, that I could take back again, that I would 100% do differently. But here's what I will tell you. That if you have messed up as a parent like I have, that as followers of Jesus, we can find incredible forgiveness from Christ. That we can find hope in Jesus because we're not the perfect parents. And for followers in Jesus of Jesus, we have the clearest sense, I am not parenting alone. And the future of my children does not just rest on me, thank God. And my children in this auditorium that are literally mine say amen. amen. Thank you, Peter. <laughs> so if you're a parent and you've messed up, there's hope in Jesus. You may have tremendous regrets. But I, I believe and I've experienced it in my own life that if you pray definitively and myopically and specifically about those regrets that God can restore, God can mend, and forgiveness can flow. But I want to say this. It is not about forgiving yourself. Forgiving yourself is lunacy. It has never worked and it never will. But to come to Jesus and to confess your brokenness and your dysfunction and your sin as a parent, that's where forgiveness comes from. We don't forgive ourselves. We find forgiveness in Christ when I confess my brokenness, dysfunction, and shortcomings as a parent. So understand again, there are no perfect parents. That doesn't give us the right to abdicate what we know is right. But I will tell you, there are no perfect parents. Here's what else I want to tell you. The salvation of your children is not incumbent upon you being a good parent. It's simply not true. The gospel of Jesus is not that we are saved by grace through faith and be the perfect parent and your kids will be saved. It's not how this works. Your children will come to Christ by the grace of God through faith in Jesus because of what Christ has done the exact same way that you did. Being the perfect parent is not essential for your child's salvation. Please understand that. Please get that. We are Christ followers because of the drawing of the Holy Spirit. Now, can horrible parents make it difficult? Yes. But I've observed families, I've observed them personally, where parents were loving and kind and raised their children the best they could in the faith. Some of the children followed Christ, and some rejected Him completely. And these parents have beat themselves up for years believing that it's their fault that their child is not a follower of Jesus. It's not how this works. It isn't. To carry the burden for your children is awesome, but their salvation is not based on you being the perfect parent. It's based on the perfect grace 
that is extended to every person that's on this globe this morning where God is reaching out by his spirit on all flesh, calling people to himself. That's where salvation comes from. It's not from you being the perfect parent. The other sensitivity for Mother's Day is that we have a lot of single mothers that are at City Church. I'm aware of that. You never planned on this, but that's where you find yourself. You've heard me speak about single mothers before. That City Church is here to partner with you because I believe with all of my heart that if the simple list that's found in the scriptures about those people we're supposed to help, the gospel says orphans and widows, and I would promise you, scripture, if it were updated today, would say this, orphans, widows, and single mothers. That single mothers would be added to this list. So single mothers, please understand, we're here for you. We love you. We don't come to blame you. We recognize that life is difficult even in a home where there's both a mother and a father. How much more difficult must it be for you? And the fourth sensitivity is this, that you're sitting here and you're a mother and you feel completely overwhelmed and submerged by being a mother. You feel buried, you're drowning. You've read every book on motherhood there is. If you're like my wife, she has stacks of them, how to be a mom. There's a lot of wisdom to be gained. Some of you have been wise enough to reach out to an older woman who has a little bit further down the turnpike than you are, and you've gleaned some wisdom. It's smart to do that. But what I've noticed in life is that being a mother is one of the most difficult things that you will ever face. It's not easy. It's difficult. And I grew up in a church that basically said this, and it's biblical. Mothers are a blessing from God. Yes, they are. But how many of you know at times a blessing can feel like a burden? Isn't that true? That woman laughed out loud, unashamedly before God and man. But I want to tell you a story. I exited City Church some time ago, and I love to be out front just to meet people. So I was out front on the sidewalk, and people were trickling out after the service, and there was a young mother that came out, and she was walking out, and as she did, she was standing there with one kid in her arms, one wrapped around her ankle, and another one that was two or three feet away. She was standing there, kind of looking back over her shoulder, and I knew that she was waiting on her husband. And I was standing there kind of waiting for people to come out, so I turned to her and I said, oh, your children are beautiful. They were all dolled up for church. They were dressed so beautifully. I said, wow, you have beautiful children. She said, thank you. Then I said this to her. I said, you know, I see you're standing here, and I remember so clearly when my wife Fran was in your position, one in her arms, one around her ankles, and one kind of running like a tornado around her. And I said, you know what I think? I think that that was one of the hardest seasons of her life. So difficult. 
And that young mother burst into tears. She just, blah, and she just started bawling. I thought to myself, wow, now what do I do? <laughs> She's here crying. And so when you don't know someone, you know the courteous thing is to hug them side saddle, right? Because so I'm kind of hugging her side saddle and I say, you know, it'll be okay. And she just was crying and the little kid's looking up saying, mommy, what's the matter? What's the matter? And I'm like, it'll be okay. And it, literally what I was thinking was, you know, she was looking over her shoulder for a husband. How big is this dude? Because when he walks out and she's bawling and I'm kind of side saddle, I'm like, ah, how do I explain all of this? It's the creepy pastor out on the sidewalk, right? <laughs> But what I wanted to say is this, yes, children are a blessing from God, but that doesn't mean that it's going to be a breeze and it's going to be easy. It can be difficult and it can be hard. And I've watched young mothers bury themselves because they don't feel like their kids are a blessing every day. And they get discouraged because they feel that way. Please understand. Please get this. I understand. So do some of the other people in this room. Children are a blessing from God, but it doesn't mean it'll be easy. Several months ago, there was a family that's been a friend of mine for a long time, and they began to attend City Church, and they've got a lot of kids. You ever look at someone with a lot of kids and go, oh, good Lord, how do they do that? Do you ever think? And so I know how many children they have. We're family friends. And I'll never forget knowing that he was away on a business trip. And I was coming into church myself. I went out onto the sidewalk just to do something. And I looked up and I saw her coming out of the parking lot. Literally, it looked like a parade coming behind her. Well, I'm going to tell you what. She was my hero. It's an Olympic feat to get that many kids together by yourself and to bring them to church. And I'm not saying any others of you don't have struggles to get to church, but this is Mother's Day. So what I want to say to all the mothers, when you go through the effort to get your children together and to get them to church, please understand, it is noticed, it's appreciated, and I know what a battle that is. And if you're like a lot of mothers... You probably get up on a Sunday morning and think to yourself, why don't we just take a day off and sleep in? We'll go to bedside church this morning. <laughs> I recognize how much of a struggle that is. And then the last sensitivity is this, the last one. And that is women who wanted children but could not have them for whatever reason. I'm aware that on this day, this is not easy for you. I know that. I grew up in a church that emphasized two things, getting married and having children. And it was presented as though those were the highest callings on God's green earth. I want to tell you this. The highest calling is to follow Jesus. That's the highest calling. And what I have noticed, and I've seen it in dear friends of mine, women that wanted children, but for whatever reason, through that marriage, they have not had children. They don't have children. That through Christ, they have found strength, and they have found peace.
I'm not saying that that has completely healed the wound because it hasn't. But I have seen how Christ has made a difference in this struggle in their soul. So these are the sensitivities that I'm aware of on Mother's Day. I am absolutely well aware that these are the sensitivities that come to us on Mother's Day every year. But what I know is in each one of these, Christ can make a difference. That somehow, some way, being a follower of Jesus helps us with this struggle. What I want to do very briefly is bring us to an Old Testament character. Because this Old Testament character embodies all five of these sensitivities. And so very quickly, would you please with me grab a Bible and turn quickly with me to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. In Genesis chapter 12, as we move into the Scriptures briefly, we come across a woman and her name is Sarah. She kind of appears to us throughout the Older Testament. She's found in the newer. But this woman is a woman that Scripture tells us cannot have a child. When we meet her in Genesis chapter 11, the Scriptures tell us that Abram's wife was Sarah. And in chapter 11, verse 30, it says, Now Sarai was childless because she was not able to conceive. It tells us in this story that her husband Abraham had a brother named Nahor, and Nahor's wife was named Milcah. If you were to look further into the book of Genesis, you would discover that Milcah had eight sons, eight of them. Could you imagine if you were barren and could not conceive and your brother's wife had eight boys? She had eight of them. By the way, there's a quick funny aside about Milcah having eight sons. Back in the old days, there were times where preachers could not read. So what would happen is there would be a reader in the church. And the reader would get up and read a passage, and then the pastor would say, stop, 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 and they would preach off of that passage. But the preacher couldn't read. And so in the old King James Version, that text reads that eight sons did Milcah bear. And the pastor, hearing that, said they were eight strappy sons. They were eight strong sons that tackled a bear to the ground and milked it dry. <laughs> Let's go on. So we have Sarah. And if you were to quickly go through the story, you would discover that Sarah marries Abraham and God comes to Abraham and brings a covenant to Abraham and says, Abraham, through you, I'm going to pick myself a people. I will be their God. They will be my people. And Abraham is the father of faith. He's the father of faith. And if you were to read the story, you would discover that they get married. God comes to Abraham with a covenant relationship. He leaves his father and his mother. And at the age of 75, he and Sarah go out on this faith journey. And the Bible says Abraham believed God and it was accredited to him as righteousness. So he moves in through this covenant where God says, through you, I'm going to have a great nation. And he literally is the father of Israel. He's technically the father of our faith. 
And what happens is Abraham is on the move and a famine hits and so they go to Egypt and as Abraham's going into Egypt, he looks at his wife Sarah and goes, wow, she's a hottie. Whew, she's gorgeous. And he says, you know, Sarah, if we go into Egypt and the ruler sees how pretty you are, he's going to kill me. So let's just say you're my sister. So they go into Egypt and he says, hey, this is my sister. Where, well, Pharaoh sees her and brings her into his own court. And he's grooming her to be his wife. And he's giving Abraham all this money and cattle and gold and silver because of how pretty his sister is. And then a plague hits Pharaoh's home. And Pharaoh goes, oh no, something's wrong. And he figures out that Sarah is really Abraham's wife. So he goes to Abraham and said, why did you say that she was your sister? And Abraham says, well, she's so pretty, I thought that she would kill me. Now, ladies, let's push the pause button. If your husband did that to you, what would you think? Oi, exactly. Let me tell you this. Abraham was not the perfect husband, but he was the father of our faith. He was not the perfect husband. Now let's go on to Sarah. If you go to Sarah, what you'll discover is is that Sarah hears the promise of God and she gets up in years and she gets tired of waiting on God. So she has a maidservant named Hagar and she gives Hagar to her husband and says, well, since I can't have a child, why don't we have a child through Hagar? And the scripture's incredible. It just tells us a story about how Abram takes Hagar and they conceive and there's a son named Ishmael. And when all of that goes down, there's a huge raging jealousy now between Rachel and Hagar. And what the Bible tells us is, it says when they knew that Hagar was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Then Sarai said to Abram, you are responsible for the thing I am suffering I put my slave in your arms and now she knows that she is pregnant and she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Can you imagine? Poor Abram. Husbands, have you ever felt like this? I was just doing what you told me to do. <laughs> now you're in tons of hot water. It's exactly what happens. Let me tell you what. Sarah was not perfect. Neither was Abram. And as the story unfolds, what you begin to discover is that there's a huge dysfunction hits that family because Ishmael grows up. And finally, when Sarah conceives at the age of 100, when the angel of the Lord comes or the man of God comes and says to Abram, your wife will conceive, she mocks God and she laughs at God saying, my husband is up in years and so am I. I'll never conceive. And she thinks it's a joke and she laughs. What you quickly understand is that Abram was not perfect. She didn't have a perfect husband. She did not have perfect faith at all. She got in the flesh, and she did things she should have never done. And then if you read on in the story in Genesis chapter 22, they are tested as a couple. They have this son, Isaac, and because he's the miracle of God, it appears as though, and some of the rabbis teach, that Abram began to idolize his son, Isaac, so God says to Isaac, take your son, go to the mountain of the Lord, and sacrifice him as an offering to me. And so Isaac takes his son, 
And he goes up onto the mountain and he binds him and places him on the altar. And here's what God said to Isaac, take your son, your only son, whom you love, and sacrifice him to me. And the Bible says that Abraham, out of obedience to God, binds Isaac, places him on the altar. He raises the knife to sacrifice his son. And God shouts from heaven, I know, Abram, that you truly are trusting in me. I will provide a, a sacrifice, and God does. And here's what God says to Abraham. You have not withheld me your son, your only son. Does that phrase sound familiar to you? John 3.16 says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish. Please understand this. Through Abraham and Sarah, God sets up the brilliance of his son coming into this world. And if you read the lineage of Jesus in Matthew chapter 1, verse 2, it begins with Abraham. Abraham and Sarah were the father of our faith. And so to mothers specifically, if you feel as though you have not gotten it right, look at the life of Sarah. She did not have a perfect parent or she was not a perfect parent. She did not have a perfect husband. She did not always get faith right. Sometimes she blundered horribly, but God, through her, brought into the world literally the Son of God. Let's stand together as we close. As we stand together in closing, I want us to close with a very brief word of prayer. Especially for the ladies. Do you have a perfect husband? No. Do you have a perfect home? No. Do you have perfect kids? No. Do you have perfect faith? No. If you've been living under condemnation for any of these, as we close out in prayer this morning, I'm going to ask that you would surrender all of that to Jesus. Because here's what I have found. If we follow Jesus, we have hope in him. We can truly have hope in him. And if you feel like it, you've messed up as a parent, if your parent messed up over you, if you're a single mother, if you feel like motherhood is burying you, or if you're unable to have children, I'm going to encourage you to follow Jesus. In him, we have hope. We're going to close our service more quickly than we normally do because it's Mother's Day but we're going to do so praying again over every single woman that's in this auditorium. From the youngest child to the oldest woman. We're going to pray God's blessing. We're going to pray this blessing, that each lady would follow Jesus and find a hope in him that can meet them in the midst of these struggles that we've mentioned. And that each one of these sensitivities find strength in Christ.
let's pray as we close. Jesus, we thank you for your love for us. Thank you that in every single arena of our lives that you are there with us. I pray over these mothers, these women, that feel as though their parent messed up. I pray that forgiveness would come in like a flood. I pray for a woman that's here that feels as though as a parent she's messed up. Jesus, I pray that your forgiveness would come in like a flood. I pray over those single mothers that are struggling in the midst of life. God, I pray that you would give them a strength, but also that City Church would wrap our loving arms around them and walk with them and journey with them. I pray for those mothers where motherhood is burying them alive. Jesus, I pray that you would breathe in life and hope and strength. God, that each mother would have the sense that they're never, ever alone. But you are there as their brother, walking with them and giving them strength. I pray for those ladies, those ladies who've had a dream to have a child. Maybe that dream is gone. Maybe that dream just seems like it's being extended. God, I ask that you would bring in your peace, your grace, and Jesus, your love. And that every woman in this auditorium, whether young all the way to old, would find in Christ a peace and a strength that only can come from you. Jesus, thank you for your scripture. Thank you for the ladies that are here. I pray a blessing over each and every one. And now may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you and give you peace. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a clap offering as we, as we leave. God bless each and every one of you. Have an awesome, awesome rest of Mother's Day, and we'll see you next week.